In the WGNO Sports Zone, the Saints drive a new car, an expensive one at that. A quarterback we know and love says the Saints are better, but how much better? I'm not going to give it an A. I won't give it a B. Our panel weighs in. Is this expensive car worth it? And with quarterback addressed, Big Lester on the Saints' biggest need. A year ago, the Tigers used Brian Kelly's first spring practice as a springboard to an SEC West title. Now there's more to work for. You need uh, more than just talent alone um, to win a national championship. Do the Tigers repeat in the West? We ask our soothsayers. And a team used to winning proves it again in crunch time. Richie Mills reports on all of the semifinal action from Burton Coliseum. And the final rant from two individuals that spend a lot of time in the office ranting at yours truly. All next in the WGNO Sports Zone. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the WGNO Sports Zone. Ed is out of the office, but Aaron, I just want to say he totally did us dirty uh, with those two, <laughs> those two videos right there. Not cool, Ed, not cool, but much appreciated. Aaron S. Lee is standing by, and before we get ready to talk anything else sports, we're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints. In the days following the Derek Carr announcement, NFL analyst Nick Wright called the Saints' continued frenzy to eliminate extremely large salary cap deficits an NFL Ponzi scheme. The Saints organization has shown that with restructures, extensions, cuts, they can remain in the running for free agents like Derek Carr. While I wouldn't really consider it a Ponzi scheme, I agree with Wright in the point that he is trying to make that it is unsustainable. How can you tell? Well, after four straight winning seasons and playoff appearances, the Saints are 16 and 18 the last two with no postseason bursts. With every restructure, money is allocated to the next year and the next year and the next year. They are able to retain some players, but will eventually lose several to better situations. The win now mentality is not paying off on the football field, and it won't show up on your books in the years to come. The Saints will officially introduce Derek Carr tomorrow, but we can discuss now is, is Derek Carr the answer to the Saints quarterback issues? Aaron, I'll start with you. Well, I'll tell you, Richie, well, you know, it's hard to argue with you and Nick Wright. Um, you make a great point. Look, this seems like a Band-Aid solution, and we both know Band-Aids are not permanent. They are temporary. Again, but did they leverage the farm to get a new quarterback, but it cost them uh, perhaps a Michael Thomas, an Alvin Kamara, Jarvis Landry, or key players on a defense that was top 10 in the NFL. My point is, if Derek Carr is going to be successful in New Orleans, you need to give him the tools that made him successful in Vegas or Oakland, whatever you want to consider it, which is he had Josh Jacobs, top running back in the NFL. Darren Waller was his primary target. You need a pass-catching difference maker at tight end. Jawan Johnson could be that, but you might want to bring in someone else to shore that. He also had Devontae Adams, who was the best wide receiver in the NFL, and another go-to guy for him in the slot was Hunter Renfro. So my thing is, do the Saints have these pieces that can make Carr successful right now? And if not, I think that adds more pressure on this team going into the NFL draft to make sure they get him those pieces because even when he had all that, he won seven games. I'm not saying he's not going to pan out. I think he's a great quarterback. But is he really in a, a situation where he can be successful here in New Orleans? 
Well, Richie, I'll tell you this. You're spot on about Juwan Johnson for sure. I'm a big fan. Believe he is a key component that must return. But look, enough about us. Let's go to our go-to guy, former pro quarterback Lester Ricard. He stopped by the Sports Zone this week to share his expert analysis on the Saints' new signal caller. Do you like the signing? I think the signing is solid. I'm not going to give it an A. I won't give it a B. I give it a, a passing grade of C. You know, it's an upgraded quarterback. And the biggest thing is Derek Hart's always been available to play. And that's one of the things that you haven't seen with the Saints quarterback over the last few years is, you know, with the division, the way it's structured, he's probably the best quarterback you have in there. You know, you look at what mm -hmm. they have in Atlanta, what's in Carolina, even what we don't know what's going on in Tampa with uh, obviously with Tom Brady being out. So he's an upgrade. I don't think that this was the move that's going to put them over the top. And I think it really slows down their, their future as well, to be honest with you. So, but if they don't get him, there's a chance they would have been really bad this year. Yeah, and I think with a bad division, it's kind of like the less of the worst, you know, who's the worst of the division. And mm -hmm. I think that would have been the issue more than anything else. You do have some consistency at quarterback, a guy who's played significant time over the last nine years. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think you know, what has to happen now is that you're guaranteed that he's going to be your starter for three years with a $100 million signing bonus. And the way that the, the contract is structured, I mean, he's going to be there for some time. So, you know, do you have that draft capital that in two years you can go find you that really that next guy quarterback? Because um, I don't think that he is, I don't think he's the long-term answer. He's a Band-Aid for an issue that the Saints have had going on two years now. But when you look at his contract, that's what the market was. That's what you got to pay, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, giving him $37, $38 million a year with this deal, um, you have to pay him $100 million in guarantee. So, you know, it, it looks like this helps the same structure, uh, capital moving forward. Um, but they still have got some significant decisions they have to make uh, with some pieces they have on their roster. Can he win playoff games for the New Orleans Saints? Can he get to the playoff period is the first question that I think that, mm -hmm. you know, Saints fans need to be looking at because to me, that's probably the ceiling, right? You know, going further in the playoffs with what you have in the NFC, you know, the Vikings roster, the way they're constructed, they have a very good team, young and old, they're kind of mixed in what Philadelphia, Philadelphia is going to be here for a while. You know, the Cowboys, mm -hmm. I know people down here don't like to hear that word Dallas Cowboys, but mm -hmm. you know, their roster's in a good place. So, you know, hopefully, what this does is gives the Saints hope that we can get to the playoffs, that we have the best quarterback in the division. You know, what we go after that is, uh, I think the jury is still out with how some roster moves can be made for um, this upcoming season. Is he a top 15 quarterback in the NFL? Top 15? Ooh, that's a good question. I think he might be right at 15 and right underneath. Is he better than Jared Goff? I don't know if he's a better upgrade than what Jared Goff is. And I think Jared Goff, it's kind of where that 17, 18, and 12, you know, I think anywhere between 12 and 18. It's a crowded little area, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, mm -hmm. you're not in the top six. You know, now if they would have gotten Lamar Jackson, then mm -hmm. I would have been like, I would have came down here with a different outfit on, you know, <laughs> would have put a tuxedo on, you know. Oh, they got Lamar Jackson. I'd be dancing right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, so, or maybe even Aaron Rodgers. No, Aaron Rodgers goes into his little dark place at times. But, mm -hmm. you know, getting Derek Carr, he is an upgrade. He's Gosh, I was looking at some of his numbers. He's had a hundred passer rating, you know, two out of three times over the last one eight years that he's been a starter in the NFL. That's okay, you know, the way the passing game is in the NFL. If you don't throw over ten interceptions a season, you're very likely to have over a hundred 
quarterback rating. And uh, that doesn't seem hard anymore in the National Football League. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's Jared Goff, you know, somewhere along there. So do the Saints draft a quarterback in the 2023 NFL draft? Not at 29, you know, because. Okay, but I, at some point? Uh, to second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round? Um, I would say no. And, and here's why I would just push back on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the top tier guys you watched the combine this weekend, you know, Bryce, C.J. Stroud. Now, they got an opportunity to get C.J. Stroud, mm-hmm. and that means that you got to move some pieces that's currently on that roster and mm-hmm. package some future draft picks as well. He's a guy that you need to get in that top five to get. But in terms of, you know, what's after C.J. Stroud. Will um, Levis. Will Levis. I mean, it's going to be hard to get one of those top four or five guys. And then the drop-off, I think, is significant. So, first or second round, mm-hmm. do the Saints take a running back? I would say second round. Hopefully, Tajay Spears is sitting there for him, right? And I'm wearing my Tulane colors today. So, you got to look at a guy like a Tajay Spears. Um, the NFL is different, you know, and you don't know. Jabeir Gibbs will be there from, from Alabama, but he just goes and runs a 4-3. So, you have to think, that, is he a top 10? Top See, I'm a, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge proponent of Tajay Spears, yeah. but I'm also a huge proponent of Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. You know, I keep hearing that he's not an inside runner, and the only thing I say to that is baloney. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay? And you know what? He, he's like Tajay in this respect, I think. Both of them are fast. Yeah. Both of them are good pass catchers. Yes, they are. And both of them are tough. Yeah. I mean, and I think if the Saints got either one of those guys, they'd be in business. Yeah, I agree. Those are the two guys that I'm looking at. Deshaun Robinson will probably be gone by the yes. time that, it, you know, Saints will be picking at 29. But you can use that 29th pick and a third-round pick, maybe getting into that 20th spot, and then you can get a guy like a, a Jameer Gibbs. And if you don't get Jameer Gibbs, then you kind of hang back and see if a guy like Tajay Spears is there because I think after Bijan Robinson, those are the next two guys. And I'm not being a homer because he's a two-lane guy. I mean, his film speaks for him. The guy's great balance, great explosives, great change of direction. And like you said, he's durable. I mean, obviously he had an injury, a setback his junior year, but – I mean, you talk about a guy that carried the load for the team this year. He carried him. Michael Pratt was great. But you look at that Cincinnati game, he carried him. Wildcat offense in there. After the middle of November, there was not a better player in the country, in my opinion. (laughs) He was right up there. He he was ridiculously good. I'm going to give you a little tip about Mm -hmm. the Tulane Green Wave. Mm -hmm. Going to spring practice twice last week, and I'll be there this week Mm -hmm. as well. A guy that I like a lot is Arnold Barnes. Oh, Running back from Booker T. Washington. Fast. Uh, explosive. Can catch it. And let, let me tell you what. He's got thighs as wide as a screen. Okay. I've so, seen him play at high school. And I was like, when, they, when he signed with him, I was like, what a steal. I think he's the number one steal in the state of Louisiana when it came to signing day this year. And I don't think people really know, especially that we're in the, the olive and blue, what you got in that kid. And uh, I'm excited. September is going to be very interesting. going to be a very interesting football season. Yeah. I'm going to go on vacation a little bit before that. <laughs> yeah. is, is that allowed? Can I do that? <laughs> yes, you can. We're going to need it. I promise you. Oh, I'm going to need some sleep. In between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, because there's you know a lot what? going once, on. Once the middle of July gets here, I dream of sleep <laughs> for like seven months. <laughs> you won't get any of it. I promise you it's over with. Hey, and you never know what happens with the Pelicans. Is we can get that going right, which well, that, looks, that might be a little uh, bit of a stretch. I know, I know, right. Good, but a good try. A good try. <laughs> Thank you, my friend, as yes, always. Yes, sir. I love being here. 
And like Richie said, the Saints will officially introduce Derek Carr at the team's practice facility on Saturday. And of course, we'll have all the details on WGNO News at 6 and of course on WGNO.com. Well, guests of the WGNO Sports Zone eat at That's Amore's Pizzeria, West Metairie, and Clearview now open for lunch Tuesday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Seafood, salad, pasta, and the best pizza in town. Try the deep dish Chicago style. That's Amore's Pizzeria. The food is terrific. Customers truly are treated like family. LSU opened spring practice this week and running back John Emery is not there. So he can concentrate on academics, said head coach Brian Kelly. And Kelly also said the spring is far different than the fall. The Tigers surprised the Southeastern Conference by winning the West and winning 10 games. Brian Kelly told his team that if you want to win more, there are certain steps they have to take. What it's really about is the total development um, of uh, the individual and um, them understanding that uh, you need uh, more than just talent alone um, to win a national championship. So making sure that they clearly understand what this next five, six weeks is about. Uh, it's not a, hey, I won that drill or, hey, I won this one-on-one um, -on -one matchup. It's really about your total preparation, and it's about how you continue to develop the traits necessary to um, be elite. Kelly confirmed LSU's three permanent opponents in a proposed nine-game league schedule. They'll be Alabama, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. He reiterated his remarks that he came to LSU to play in the cauldron, that is, the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we play all three of those teams, so for me, it, it just didn't seem to be uh, any different. Um, you know, I expected that it was probably going to be Ole Miss and Alabama, and whether it was going to be A&M or Texas or somebody else, um, you know, it, it just – it's not something that I really thought much about because I wanted to play SEC teams. You know, when, that's why I came here. LSU opens the season against Florida State in Orlando. The Tigers host Grambling State a week later. The Alabama game is in Tuscaloosa, November 4th. Uh, the question that everyone wants to know the answer to right now in the spring. Will LSU repeat as SEC West? Champs, Aaron Esley. Well, Richie, I guess it depends on which team shows up. Is it the team that I saw in Atlanta at the SEC Championship game or the team that you saw in Orlando in the Citrus Bowl? Listen, I look at the schedule and I see a team that could be anywhere from 7-5 and five to an 11-1. They won the SEC West title last year because they stole one from Alabama. I still think they're a year or two away from being at that level, so I say no. I think in terms of situations overall in the SEC West, I think they provide the most stability in the fact that you return a chunk of playmakers that we just saw in Orlando uh, put, a, put a beat down on Purdue. So I think in terms of the talent they bring back, the talent that's coming in that we don't really know about yet, uh, that you suspect is going to pan out all these five-star receivers across the board. They're a little thin at O-line right now, but I just think the faces, the production that they return makes them the favorite in the West because when you really look across the SEC in its totality, 
Who brings back their starting quarterback that was really in the top three last year? There's a lot of question marks with other teams, but I think with Brian Kelly, the stability that he provides, the, the thing that they've had, they have now that they have in recent years is a consistent voice at the coordinator positions. That's been a revolving door the past few years. So I think, again, stability is going to pay off for LSU, and I think it favors them in the SEC West this upcoming year. Back with more Sports Zone after the break. High school state basketball championships are in full swing over at Burton Coliseum. Thursday night, four teams were in action. Two saw their season come to a close. Two others will compete for championship gold tomorrow. Let's start with the first game of the day, an overtime thriller between Crescent City and Lincoln Prep. In the Division IV Select semifinal, a Dwight McGee three at the end of regulation would give Crescent City one last shot at a state title berth. But their talented youth could not overcome 25 costly turnovers and a 14-8 to eight overtime period in favor of Lincoln Prep. First time with this group and this kind of experience, and they're all young freshmen and sophomores, so... I mean, it's a big part of an inexperienced club, so now they seeing how it is. I think it's going to motivate them to be ready for next year. The Pios return four starters next year. In Division II Select, Archbishop Shaw's 46-28 loss to Madison Prep marked the end of a special career for senior Cam Johnson. It's over 2,000 points. He's the greatest player I've ever coached in any time that I've been coaching. I wish I could have won a state championship. For him, I think he deserves that. He deserves everything he gets. He's an unbelievable player, but besides that, you know, uh, he's an unbelievable uh, person. Madison Prep will play Carver for the Division II select title after a 19-12 fourth quarter surge pushed the Rams past Peabody and back into the championship spotlight. Senior Jalen Hicks led the charge with 16.7 rebounds, five assists, and three blocks. Jalen Hicks is a kid that sacrificed everything. In my opinion, he's the best player in the state of Louisiana, hands down. And he's gonna he's gonna petition for it all the way to the championship game. So this run right here, honestly, it's for the people who doubted us and didn't think we could come back here. But it's really for us because we're going to continue to believe, we're going to continue to work, and we're going to continue to grow. Carver and Madison Prep will meet at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. In Division I non-select, Allen Graves' 20.19 rebound double-double helped number 3 Ponchatoula counter every Rustin rally. With the 62-55 win, the Green Wave will play for their first state title in program history. We're not scared to play anybody. Uh, you got to be smart as a coach of who you schedule. But you know, we walked in with Madison Prep, beat them Scotland, they'll beat them. And not bragging, but you know, we put those guys on the schedule so that when we do get here, we see them and we're prepared for whatever gets thrown at us. Ponchatoula will face number one New Iberia tomorrow night at 8 p.m. And of course, today, Isidore Newman beat Calvary Baptist in the Division III Select State Championship. That's 11 total for the Green East Boys Basketball Program. Back with more after the break. Final rants. Aaron S. Lee, go ahead. 
Well, you know, chapeau to you, Richie Mills, for all that excellent prep hoop semifinal coverage you provided for us on Thursday. And since you survived in advance, we get to see and look forward to what you deliver on Saturday, which you'll be able to catch it all on WGNO News at 6 and 10 on WGNO.com. Chapeau as well to Willie Green of the Tulane Green Wave receiving his, his George Munger Award at the Maxwell Awards uh, on Thursday night as well. And to your Lady Lions of Southeastern, Richie. Uh, you you kind of nailed that on the head last week. Yeah, they won their first conference title, first regular season title last week, actual conference title this week. But it's why I love covering Southeastern, Nichols, and UNO because those universities recruit local. I think shopping local in the times of the transfer portal is a lost art, but it's one that can be beneficial to your program. That's enough. We're done. Good night, everyone. Thank you.